Welcome to a place where we combine equal parts science, technology, design, and entrepreneurship. Then we gradually stir in magic to the mixture, and you have the Perception Podcast. Join us in conversations with design heroes, inspirational thinkers, business leaders, and trailblazers across the globe. Our guest today is Chris Pfaff, founder and CEO of Chris Pfaff Tech Media. Chris graduated from Northwestern in 1987 and since then has been a purveyor of tech for companies like Sharp, Sony, AT&T, Lucent, Nokia, and a host of other industry giants. At his firm, he performs business development, marketing, and public relations services for early to mid-stage technology and new media companies concentrating on North America and Europe. Chris is a regular at CES and often gives guided tours through the Mammoth Vegas Conference, which is how we met Chris years ago. He's going to share some of his deep insights at this year's CES and talk to us about some great technologies we should look out for in the future. So let's go straight to the floor at CES, where we caught up with Chris live at Eureka Park. So welcome, Chris. Thanks so much for doing the Perception Podcast with us. Well, thank you, Jeremy. It's, uh, it's great to be here. So before we get into all the great stories coming out of CES, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and consultancy? Yeah, sure, Jeremy. Uh, so I um, uh, run a consultancy based in New York, uh, Chris Path Tech Media LLC. For the last 16 years, we've worked with uh, many dozens of early to mid-stage technology and new media ventures, as well as strategic corporate ventures and university spin-outs. And, uh, really focused on uh, emerging uh, technology, deep tech, uh, a lot in mobile, uh, enabling systems for media. And uh, that's um, uh, very much a global business for us, but uh, particularly in Europe, uh, North America. And uh, we do marketing, business development, and uh, investment consulting. And uh, my background is uh, really as a a marketer uh, and somebody who uh, has done a lot to uh, help develop uh, new technologies for market, as well as uh, uh, do uh, spin-outs. Uh, I helped uh, uh, spin about 16 ventures out of Bell Laboratories and the Lucent Ventures Group, uh, and uh, this was back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And then I was with two New York-based uh, startups, and uh, 16 years ago started my own business. And uh, yeah, and have uh, had the great uh, fortune to work with. Uh, some really, really uh, bleeding edge companies, some leading uh, inventors and innovators and uh, like that. That's great. So uh, sadly, we didn't get to uh, get to CES this year. We've been a little bit busy here and we had to stay home. But just following from uh, from here, it seems like one of the biggest stories was connectivity. What, uh, what did you hear about? Yeah, connectivity and, and really in terms of, of what that means at CES and the trends that uh, the companies and uh, many of the, uh, the influencers at CES who are uh, really trying to make sense of uh, what is, of course, the largest CES ever, uh, really comes down to a few key foundational themes. So connectivity really in the, in, in the sense of on-demand, uh, on-demand content or services, uh, machine learning, uh, which of course includes uh, augmented uh, reality, artificial intelligence, uh, deep learning, and autonomy. Uh, certainly, uh, autonomous driving or semi-autonomous driving or uh, robotics is applied to a whole range of services and experiences. And, uh, and that certainly is uh, really being articulated by companies such as Samsung, 
which is really looking to move away from just focusing on how devices, uh, particularly its own devices, are connected and also showing uh, how uh, their smart things cloud and their Bixby personal assistant, which has uh, a lot of catching up to do to uh, catch Google Assistant and, of course, uh, Amazon's Alexa. Uh, they're, but they're certainly showing how connectivity is going to enable uh, people to connect all sorts of devices throughout their home and uh, through a, a broader cloud, everything from the refrigerator and talking to your television. The television really, uh, Samsung this year is trying to communicate that as, as sort of the, the hub uh, for all activity in the house. And Yeah, uh, we saw the, the Samsung wall that they presented. That looked pretty incredible. Yeah, now, it, and, and of course it looks incredible, uh, but it really the, the, the vision behind it I think is even more incredible. The, the wall is, uh, for your listeners, is a 146-inch 4K resolution display, but it's the world's first modular display. Right. So I think you really, you when you look at this... You can tile it together, right? Exactly, right. So the I concept, and again, again, this is not a product. This is a, really a concept. Mm -hmm. The concept is that you can modularize or uh, scale up or even scale down your display, and and not only uh, do that with respect to the size of the display itself, but also the resolution. Hmm. Uh, so you could imagine, for example, that you want to watch the news in lower resolution, or you want to see something letterboxed, or you would want to see a, a sports, you know, the match in the highest possible resolution. But but that's that's just the start. I think it really gets into. Uh, more granular shades of uh, your experience, like a wide color gamut, uh, choosing maybe even which side of the screen has brighter pixels, and uh, so it's 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 really interesting, and it's not just uh, you know an art project. I think uh, they're really getting towards something that that a lot of us in the industry have been waiting for for years: the idea of that kind of uh, either a fold-up display or something that can be controlled. Uh, you know, as well as even rolled up. I mean, right. I was just going to say, LG had a, had another solution to that with the rollable OLED, right? Exactly. So th this is something that, that LG has been working on for years, and they've shown it at CES before. Uh, but I, I think uh, we're we're really getting closer to a point where uh, that will be coming into some kind of product phase. Maybe more on the industrial side first. But uh, you know, companies like E Ink, which I helped launch back 18 years ago out of Cambridge, had that vision a long time ago, uh, even before tablets were really a thing, the idea that you could have uh, some kind of polymer uh, roll-up display, uh, high quality, you know, uh, uh, with a long-life battery, uh, that kind of thing. So LG this year uh, was really, if you wanted to see TVs at CES, you really needed to go to LG and, and go to Sony, uh, because uh, aside from the wall and so it's other interesting things Samsung was showing, um, uh, native 8K uh, resolution and uh, sort of AI-based, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of predictive analytics for your TV viewing. Uh, so, you know, I think that, that, that's, that, that sort of hints at where they want to go uh, with um, some of their next displays. Uh, not, you know, to ignore what they're doing in uh, their QLED uh, UHD brand televisions, but um, but yeah, Samsung big presence there in connectivity. Uh, Intel uh, really outdid themselves this year. They were really presenting uh, 
you know, their solutions around four themes, autonomous driving, uh, AI, VR, and 5G. And uh, they've certainly put a lot of effort and a lot of investment into demonstrating what they can do uh, in immersive experiences, uh, in even branding their true VR, uh, which is really more of a, of a, a 360 experience. But they are... Um, uh, starting to outfit uh, sports venues in the United States with true VR, so you uh, you know can, uh, for example, get multiple replays or different angles. Um, so this is kind of like taking esports to the physical venue. Hmm. They're going to be, uh, and you probably saw this. They they will be streaming uh, some of their true VR from the Winter Olympics. Uh, Intel has announced uh, this week that they're also opening up an LA-based studio. Uh, to do that. So this is sort of like the third time LA has become a focal point in Hollywood for Intel. And uh, let's see how we do this time out. But um, yeah, uh, but yeah, very, very, very interesting uh, uh, connectivity story for them. Um, very cool. You know, yeah. So, so uh, you mentioned LG and we definitely want to talk a little bit more about Intel later. Um, but uh, you mentioned LG and I, and one of my favorite, um, uh, I guess, uh, areas of CES is, you know, smart home, smart devices. And I know LG's got a bunch of um, uh, smart home devices like the, uh, I think it's a ThinkQ refrigerator. That's right. And, that was a big hit uh, this year. And, uh, you know, it's it sort of, uh, you know, is, is, is a classic tit for tat with Samsung and LG. Uh, the smart hub refrigerator from Samsung has uh, been a big statement for them for uh, years. And in fact, this year they showed off uh, the 3.0 version of, of that smart home refrigerator. So the Think uh, refrigerator was it was a big deal for LG for sure. Uh, they're starting to really pick up more on uh, you know their their entire sort of connectivity story. So, um, but what's interesting, of course, is is still what that really means from for a broader uh, universe of consumers. Meaning, <laughs> can you operate? within a cloud that's really controlled by one company uh, or, or can we have more open source? And that's certainly where Google uh, and, and Amazon. And Amazon, and, and yeah, just, I was gonna say. Yeah, you know, they, they, uh, they've done a remarkable job because there really is no good answer to um, uh, how one would connect to other devices within a Samsung uh, a cloud and, and I dare say LG as well. So. Yeah, I read somewhere that there was thousands of products on display that were all uh, Alexa connected at the show. Yeah, there, there, there were, uh, but um, uh, Google really made a massive uh, uh, and, and very intelligent uh, push to, um, to brand uh, Hey Google. They even wrapped mm -hmm. um, the monorail with that. Yeah, I saw that. big pavilion. Yeah, they, they had a pavilion in the central uh, hall parking lot. Uh, and uh, there were, I don't know how many booths that had uh, Hey Google signifying that uh, Google Assistant was uh, integrated with various uh, products. So, so they, they, they really, but, but again, you know, they, they need to do this because uh, the last numbers we have show that uh, Alexa has something like 70% yeah. of the market for personal assistants and Google is at 23%. Hmm. So you figure that uh, Bixby and Cortana you know, let's mention Microsoft for a second. Sure. That they're um, they're they're running way behind, and and just just to quickly dodge back to Samsung for a second, Bixby was really they really wanted to make that uh, a big statement this year. I don't think they really succeeded necessarily, uh, but at least in terms of, of how they 
presented themselves as being more of an experienced company with uh, great underlying technology. Bixby was certainly a part of it, but I, I don't think many people came out of the Samsung booth thinking that, well, gee, I got to get a Bixby device. Uh, but we'll see. You know, uh, you know, they've 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 done it before, and uh, they've been a little late in bringing Bixby. I got a 10-year-old dog at home named Bixby, and I got frustrated when I heard that's what they were naming the Samsung personal. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe your dog's more intelligent. Named than after most the, of the great products. Bill Bixby, of course. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, you know the, the whole. That's the, it. Eddie's father. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about cars a little bit. I'm, I know that was huge at the show and has been growing every year. I saw Nissan had a brain-to-vehicle technology that they were. Showing. Yes, uh, that you know. <laughs> I have to say that the North Hall was just uh, just exceptional this year, uh, really in, in terms of showing the promise of a, a lot of really bleeding edge uh, technology. The, the N- Nissan uh, showed off the, the B2V or brain to vehicle technology, which uh, was part of a concept car that they showed called the IMX. Uh, now, what they're looking to do is uh, take neural uh, feedback from the headrest in the car uh, that will essentially train the car to read brain waves. Uh, the theory being that brain waves can actually be read faster than uh, body motion or action, and uh, use the brain waves to create some kind of uh, machine learning mechanism. So the idea being that um, you know it might know how you want to drive based on your mood. Uh, maybe it's a clear day and you're a little angry, so you're going to want to drive a little more aggressively. Uh, you know, I'm riffing, but that's the sure. concept. They uh, Nissan saying that that uh, this um, th- they'd like to get this into production within the next ten years. So you know, this is a ten year out vision. But it was pretty clear, based on their story, which was, hey, look, we are uh, the manufacturers of the most successful electric vehicle, the Leaf. Uh, they um, uh, did show uh, a little bit of a concept car uh, uh, there, uh, and interestingly, you know, they were touting the fact that the Leaf is not just an electric vehicle, but can be used uh, to um, uh, to take excess uh, electricity. Uh, the idea that you can take that into your home grid. Mm-hmm. They had a Macchiato machine that was being powered by the, the Leaf. That won so an innovation was, award, I read as well, right? It, it did. Yeah, it was really cute. I mean, they won the coffee. Uh, technology award this year. Last year, Bosch had robots serving uh, coffee in, in their uh, uh, stand, their booth, and that was brilliant. Uh, so Nissan really had a, a very strong showing. Uh, Byton, uh, a Chinese company, introduced a new uh, car at the show. That's uh, for those keeping score. That was the second uh, automobile uh, officially uh, uh, introduced at CES. Um, Faraday Future did it two years ago. Unfortunately, they're kind of in a disastrous position, but the Byton, they're saying will be sold in the U.S. in 2020. Uh, base price is about 45000 They're calling it a an SIV, a smart, intuitive vehicle. And, uh, you know, it's uh, got um, facial recognition, uh, voice control, gesture recognition. Uh, it's a very good-looking car as well. And uh, they were right across from um, Hyundai, which... Uh, was showing off a, a concept car, which is a hydrogen fuel-based. Um, Kia had uh, some interesting things that they were showing a new personal assistant in the car, and they also claimed that they were showing the first uh, in-vehicle 
5G connection. Uh, and that was interesting because this company actually we've worked with out of Seoul called Hekus, uh, which does very uh, high quality mobile video uh, with low latency. So uh, again, you know, the, the car as a, as a entertainment and communications uh, hub is, uh, we saw much more of that uh, this year. In fact, Intel uh, announced a partnership with Warner Brothers to uh, develop and distribute um, content for uh, autonomous vehicles. Yeah, it's become uh, so the uh, it's become the mobile um, you know den or living room to to basically uh, exactly yeah take your house yeah. out on uh, put four four wheels on your house and just drive around basically right yeah great. because you know who who wants to watch a movie stationary let's go sixty miles an hour you know? <laughs> yeah uh, yep. why not you know it's perfect. they want Steve McQueen's bullet at sixty miles an hour right yeah so, you can uh, watch uh, it and be the bullet at the same time. You could you could do that, and, and uh, now now we're creating a new business model. But it, but no, but seriously, it's uh, Nvidia. Uh, you know, of course, was in the North Hall. They were touting uh, the the first uh, bespoke uh, uh, chip for automated uh, autonomous vehicles. Um, the chip is apparently capable, so they say, of 320 trillion operations per second. The chip block for uh, for that is about the size of a license plate. Um, yeah, just really, you know, staggering. Um, uh, Toyota was showing off um, a robot, so no cars, uh, mm -hmm. but pretty brilliant for them. The idea being that, you know, they can pick up and sign up a lot of partners for their uh, robotic uh, uh, concepts, and uh, uh, that was pretty cool. Mercedes was, was, was amazing this year. Last year, of course, they, they really won uh, uh, a lot of um, praise for this um, Autonomous Dreamliner, this this mm -hmm. uh, really sleek yep. freight. Yeah, yeah. So this year uh, they showed off something that uh, we initially thought was a concept car. Um, uh, they call it Project One. Uh, it's um, the super fast, sleek uh, silver car that uh, has a 1,000 horsepower uh, engine and will be selling for three million dollars uh, in limited production. It's chump um, Yeah, chump change exactly. If you want to write that one off. Uh, you just live in the car, but uh, but yeah, they they had some, another interesting thing, and I just think this is one of the, the the things that you always look for at CES, which is larger companies who have made really good strategic startup acquisitions, uh, and uh, in this case, uh, this wasn't an acquisition on Mercedes's part, but it was a integration of a, a UK-based company called What Three Words. And uh, this is going to be baked into, I guess, all of the um, uh, forthcoming Mercedes uh, vehicles. <laughs> and What Three Words is a London-based company that has mapped the world in three-meter sort of blocks. And the idea is that they're, they're looking to create a much more accurate navigation system uh, beyond GPS. So the idea being that instead of using 16-digit uh, GPS addresses, or you know, that they they designate these blocks with three random words. Um, so it's kind of cute. Like if you said, okay, I want the car to go to brain dog fish, uh, as opposed to whatever the actual coordinates would be, uh, that um, they can improve the accuracy. Uh, so that was that was a pretty cool thing that Mercedes uh, had. They have also introduced a new, um, essentially, connectivity system, infotainment system. 
uh, it's MBUX, obviously Mercedes-Benz user experience, mm -hmm. and um, that was uh, that was interesting to see. Yeah, we've worked uh, actually, uh, we've worked closely with them and, and uh, with Mercedes-Benz and, and a, a ton of other automotive companies this year. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask, and someone who was actually a guest on our podcast and our YouTube channel, was uh, Henrik Fisker. Did you get an opportunity to see uh, the emotion at all? I, I did not. Okay. I, I did not. I, I may get a chance later today. I, I haven't. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see that. Okay. Uh, but of course, you know, I, I've seen some of the things that they've done in the past. Uh, so uh, that that would uh, that be an interesting thing to check out for sure. Okay. Cool. I heard uh, a Ford's booth was a lot about smart cities. That's right. Um, yeah. It was. This was again. You know, uh, uh, part of the larger trend. Um, Ford had a, a really beautifully wrapped booth with um, motion graphics and moving video with uh, sort of a street uh, slash city concept. Um, the idea was that uh, they're you know really looking to, to tout what they've done with Alexa uh, and the new version of Sync, and uh, that that was a big hit. It was uh, you know really really big hit with people and. And, and quite surprising because there were only a couple of cars in in the actual booth. Yeah, and smart cities was in was a whole section now, right? Yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, you know, they've really sort of uh, made that a, a much much uh, bigger deal here at the show. Um, of course, anyone who had any IoT solution was touting what they can do uh, for smart cities. Mm -hmm. uh, so really elevating you know the conversation beyond the smart home, something that's a little more insular if not personal uh you know certainly you saw that from bosch had a uh, a lot to say about that hmm. um the so systems you know was here uh of course ibm watson and this was a really cool thing that um, ibm watson uh, did with uh, the cta foundation and a knoxville tennessee company called local motors uh, in the central hall concourse they had a display of what they call the world's most accessible vehicle. Hmm. Uh, they call it Accessible Ollie, O-L-L-I. And it was uh, 3D printed actually in um, uh, the local motors uh, facility in Knoxville. And it's uh, using uh, all kinds of sensors, uh, basically uh, for uh, you know the handicap for the accessibility market. Uh, it will recognize, for example, in the future versions, people who are blind, uh, does American Sign Language, the windows um, front turn into smart screens. It even has an ultra haptics uh, sort of air button that you push. Uh, really, really interesting. It's actually on the road. Uh, it's in, on the road in Las Vegas, uh, Miami. Uh, I'm trying to remember where else in there. It's saying it's, uh, they're going to be on the road in Copenhagen, Denmark soon. So that, that was, that was a, a really uh, a pretty stunning uh, uh, demo, you know, when you're talking about sort of smart city technology. Very cool. Um, so you, I know you mentioned in the beginning, you know, uh, artificial intelligence and also uh, artificial assistants and robots. You know, we've we've done a bunch again with automotive uh, companies uh, with these artificial assistants within the vehicles and almost uh, it's like a butler service or some sort of concierge service within the the car. But the robots to me also, you know, it's, it kind of goes back to my childhood and, and dreaming about, you know, building robots. And you mentioned Toyota, I believe, uh, had some robots. And um, Yeah, to, well, Toyota it, it was, had one of the, uh, the hits of the show. Uh, the Honda, I, I, I actually, uh, I may have misspoken. 
Honda was showing uh, four different robots. Uh, I'll get to Toyota in a second. Uh, Honda, you know, uh, had four robots. One was a companion robot. Uh, another one was um, kind of like a scooter, almost like an accessibility vehicle that they showed last year. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a kind of a cargo robot, and then they had a, a, a robot that was essentially an off-road vehicle. It was kind of amazing. Uh, and uh, Toyota has uh, is showing something that that is just uh, gorgeous to look at. It's called the e-palette. It's a concept delivery vehicle. And the idea that this is fully autonomous delivery vehicle. Uh, it's kind of a boxy looking thing. And uh, when you go up to it, you know, the idea is that it might be um, uh, contextual in terms of the content it might serve you because you know, they're using the, uh, the screens as sort of billboards. So it's a, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a real winner. I think that, um, uh, you know, this was, this was much more of a, uh, a conceptual show uh, and the messages and the way that they were presented were, uh, you know, certainly much more minimalist in, in many respects. And there was uh, a Sony uh, Ibo, Abo dog? Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> uh, Ibo is, is uh, making a return yet again, although sadly I had a colleague who uh, was at um, the press conference and uh, the dog did not respond. Oh, well. Uh, so uh, who knows? Uh, but um, they can't give up Ibo. That, that, I, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe uh, it will be more intelligent than the last version. But but yeah, there were there were some you know sort of cute robotics. But uh, I think you saw more utility robotics at this show this year. Even um, French company that we'd met in Rouen about a year and a half ago uh, called uh, Eventbots, uh, and they were showing this as a very uh, very well designed, very personable uh, robots that offer information at events. So it's sort of like robotic kiosks. Hmm. Uh, not, not something that's that's altogether new, but but uh, we're seeing you know much more intuitive uh, uh, you know utility robots at this show this year. Yeah, one of the ones that I always tell my wife about is the the laundry folding robot. <laughs> yes, that's yes, always exactly. a crowd favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know that—that's the one that you know. Uh, I think we're looking for the multitasking, laundry folding. But it takes uh, like 15 you know, minutes uh, to fold on one shirt, chef. right? Yeah, what's that? It takes like 15 minutes to fold one shirt. Uh, I think yeah, it's it's you know the idea is that that uh, of course with machine learning it will it will uh, get a little bit better over time. Uh, but you know the idea is if it's 15 minutes, well, that's probably the best robot fold you're ever going to get. <laughs> yep, exactly. Any any uh, interesting products in um, VR, AR, mixed reality? Yeah, there, you know, Vuzix uh, was was showing off uh, some new hardware and had uh, some uh, uh, new integration. Uh, you know, I've been a big fan of what they're doing. Uh, Toby uh, had uh, some new features uh, on their eye tracking. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, the Vive Pro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, HCC was not on the show floor, but they had a presence here. Uh, we Oculus was not on the show floor either. There was a separate uh, VR um, expo hmm. at the show this year that was off-site, and uh, sadly I couldn't get to it. Uh, but I did run into several of my VR colleagues who checked it out, and uh, yeah, it was uh, you know, and that that's something that probably didn't get uh, a lot of notoriety uh, on the show floor. I mean, uh, 3D Rudder was showing uh, a new product. Um, the VR AR section was a little smaller, uh, certainly mm -hmm. than last year. But, uh, but you know, Intel really uh, just outdid themselves in 
showing, as I mentioned, uh, some of their VR solutions. They, they actually did something. This is one of the coolest things I've, I've, I've seen a, a big company uh, do. They built a virtual version of their booth, their CES booth, in VR. And they, uh, they sent a link to people. And, and this isn't web VR. This was a full Unity VR solution. And they were showing this you know, through an HTC Vive uh, headset. And the idea was that you know you download this, and they'd have experts from Intel facilities around the world that you could interact with. Uh, it was just just really stunning, just incredibly cool. Uh, they had a really interesting AR implementation uh, that was um, using some AI. You know, basically, uh, you'd walk around this tower uh, with a Microsoft Surface, and you know you'd pick up information on some case studies that they'd done. Um, they also had, an, and, the, and the backstory I thought was really cool to this this uh, one demo, which was certainly the, 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 the you know one of the, the the hippest demos at the show. They had a real time facial motion capture uh, uh, demo. I think that I saw that using, on your LinkedIn, right? Yeah, yeah, you saw. Yeah, I had a nice little video there, yeah. and that was that was not real sense. It's not real sense. It was um, a single uh, uh, you know webcam. Uh, using you know their software, and it was uh, produced out of Intel's uh, China lab. Uh, I don't know you know if that was in Shanghai or Shenzhen, but um, but the interesting thing is that that, that that the the Intel China lab produced this in conjunction with a Chinese singer who's uh, pretty popular uh, named Chris Lee. He's a woman, and uh, for example, when she was crying, uh, they were producing real time tear effects on her video. Hmm. Uh, and so they said, "Hey, you know, let's uh, let's try and mock some stuff up for a CES demo." And that that was really, really, really interesting and very accurate. And uh, I thought really speaks to to you know what they're looking to do as uh, a, a player. You know, maybe not necessarily going after like a, a the kind of market that Nvidia and others have gone into on the graphics side. Uh, but um, but that was that was pretty impressive. They also showed off some quantum chips just. You know, to explain that, hey, you know, uh, you know, we we, we are look, still looking at the future of computing. Right. <laughs> by the way, right. uh, yeah, that's awesome. The, you mentioned, um, uh, I think, uh, the helicopter as well, because I know Bell was there with like a helicopter, like the Uber for um, uh, transportation, within like this mini helicopter. And it had like a, uh, I believe it was a, a fake elevator where it would take you to the top floor. Um, and it was all, you know, just uh, screens that it made you feel like you were going to the top floor, of course. And then it, uh, from there, you'd put on a headset and, and feel like you were on the ride uh, to whatever your destination was. But do you, uh, tell me about the, um, did you get to see the Intel Autonomous Helicopter? I, I did. I did. I, and, of course, they, they have made a, a really big push in, in the drone market. They've acquired two companies. And, uh, and that, was, that was pretty stunning. Uh, of course, they also... Uh, you know, introduced the uh, uh, commercial launch of, of this uh, small drone called Shooting Star, which they use for synchronized uh, experiences. Uh, and, and they did one after the keynote of um, uh, CEO Brian Prezanich on Monday night. They had, a, I forget how many drones were synchronized uh, in flight to the uh, dancing waters at the Bellagio. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, we can expect to probably see more of that uh, at the Winter Olympics. Uh, so it's an interesting time, you know, for uh, for Intel, obviously, you know, uh, but um, but it was a, a very very strong showing for them, and, and I think you know the drone story uh, gets a, a little bit more utility, uh, a little bit more AI connectivity. So some interesting ones. There's um, 
uh, French company that was showing, for example, a uh, uh, an AR uh, using Vuzix uh, headset, uh, you know, glasses, an AR game where a drone uh, is flying in front of you and you're shooting things that are around the drone and. You know, it's kind of an interesting uh, mix of you know real life analog experience with with you know an actual uh, AR. That's um, it was it was different, very different take. So I think you know we're we're seeing uh, you know drones in a, in sort of a different way. DJI, of course, mm -hmm. had a huge huge uh, booth in the Central Hall this year. Uh, you know, I mean, you couldn't even get near uh, some of these demos. So uh, so yeah, drones drones are you know we're kind of going into like the second wave. Uh, if you will, of uh, uh, you know drone technology, they certainly, and I think last year, you know, they, the the drone market actually crossed a billion dollars for the first time. Uh, hmm. You know, same same thing with OLED uh, TV and the same thing with the, the VR headset market. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of telling to see that it's that it's getting some traction. Yeah, taking yeah. flight. Yeah, exactly. Anything uh, anything exciting at Eureka Park? That stood out to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually um, uh, just outside of Eureka Park uh, right now as I speak to you. Um, I took a, a good sprint there. Um, you know, I, I've seen some interesting things. Obviously, uh, the French presence here is, is just massive again. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about 45%. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen uh, uh, some interesting takes on voice. Um, you know, things that are even a little bit more enterprise technology. Uh, you know, we've, we've, uh, I saw a really interesting um, uh, company uh, called no Noveto, Israeli company that's doing what they call sort of virtual uh, uh, headphones. Uh, basically, uh, you know, the idea is that, that uh, they do a sort of video uh, map with a webcam of your head and can deliver, uh, you know, sound, let's say, on a conference call. Uh, to uh, your ears so that you're not disturbing anyone, but you're also not uh, wearing any hardware, uh, tethered or untethered, no Bluetooth. Uh, really, really interesting play, and, and they showed a, a spatialized version of that as well. I, 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 you know, it's, so it's dynamic sound, not directional uh, audio. So that, that's, that's, you know, that was a very, very cool thing. Um, you know, there, there, as I said, there, there were a lot more IoT sort of solutions this year at uh, Eureka Park. Uh, mm -hmm. Some more personal fitness, um, but um, no, nothing you know that, that was uh, really just mind-blowingly whiz-bang uh, holographic projection in the past, or uh, some of the university spin-outs who are doing uh, you know really uh, bleeding-edge things. Um, uh, I think you know uh, uh, most of what I saw at Eureka Park was actually more mature. Uh, than it's been in the past. Uh, mm -hmm. More startups that are really ready for the market, or, or are actually ready to scale up, uh, and uh, and that that's impressive. That that um, you know that, that was a very interesting to see, even much more so than last year. Well, you mentioned the you know dr the drone market, so to speak, ready to take flight. Um, in in your uh, in your I guess uh, opinion, what's the next industry that's ripe for disruption? I I think that. that uh, you know, we're we're seeing a, a point where uh, the the interface, you know, the, the classic human uh, machine interface, uh, is is going to go beyond uh, the device. Um, I think that uh, you know the way that we communicate with devices or how we communicate through clouds is is really going to change. I think that I, I you know I think generally uh, you know that's probably going to be one of the biggest disruptors is 
uh, bringing different kinds of interfaces, uh, things that are, uh, whether it's uh, ultra haptics or it's gesture recognition, mm -hmm. uh, and, and really also getting rid of, uh, you know, larger devices. I think the idea of, uh, of using, um, uh, you know, that, that uh, whether it's a, a holographic projection or something that's using, uh, uh, you know, uh, something like Ygig, which is a very... Uh, short throw wireless but high bandwidth um, uh, you know standard I think we'll see much more of that uh, coming on uh, as far as you know an actual industry sector to, to be uh, disrupted I just think we're gonna see more and more uh, uh, disruption in uh, you know sort of the, the personal health care and, and also uh, medical market uh, I, I would expect next year to see uh, you know many more solutions on that side um, and things that would, would certainly, you know, help families take care of uh, the elderly. I mean, uh, you know, I, surprisingly, I, I didn't see so much of that at, at uh, the show this year. I, I would expect to see far more of that in the future because, uh, uh, you know, certainly the U.S. with the graying population, uh, we're, we're going to need um, more cost-effective uh, solutions uh, and, and real innovation. Um, so, uh, you know, you see some of it, but... Uh, but I think that's that's an area that that is is absolutely ripe, and and uh, of course we see a lot of innovation on that side from uh, from uh, the Nordics, particularly Finland, some from France, uh, and a little bit out of Germany. Uh, you know, I would expect to see uh, you know more U.S. startups who are really looking to uh, address uh, you know a serious issue here at home. Absolutely. Well, Chris, this has been uh, this has been incredibly uh, informative. Thank you so much for doing this. Where, uh, where can people find you online? How can people get in touch and uh, connect with you? Yeah, I, well, you can go to chrispathtechmedia.com or just simply cptm.co uh, and uh, send me a note at chris, C-H-R-I-S, at cptm.co. Uh, and uh, mostly, of course, based in New York when I'm not uh, traveling around the world uh, and uh, would love to meet up with people and hear their thoughts and have a conversation and uh, as always good talking to uh, both of you you produce uh, some of the more stunning and provoking experiences uh, around and uh, I'm really really glad to be part of this uh, perception podcast thank you so much Chris good luck with the rest of the show and uh, thanks again for being on the perception podcast thank, thank you both and that wraps up another episode of the perception podcast as always Send any questions and comments to ask at experienceperception.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Sign up for our weekly newsletter on our site, experienceperception.com slash contact. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and write a nice review. See you on the next episode.